hello, hello, and welcome to the 10-Minute Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Stefan. Thank you so much for checking us out. This week, it finally ended. The trade deadline was done for this year. Let's get into some of the things that happened. First of all, Philadelphia 76ers further cemented their desire that the process is over, that they're all in to win this year. They traded for Tobias Harris. I thought that was an excellent addition for them. Um, I think that they, I didn't really think they were one piece away with Jimmy Butler, but I just thought they were, they needed an additional player to, you know, who's able to take some of the offensive load, you know, if Ben Simmons is having a horrible night, um, Jimmy Butler is having a horrible night, you know, uh, if Joel Embiid is having a horrible night. And I didn't think they would be able to get a player that is the caliber of Tobias Harris. He should have been an all-star this year. You know, being out here on the West Coast, I was able to catch a couple of Clippers games when I was at the gym, you know, working out. And Tobias Harris was, he was actually a very, very underrated player. Um, it seems, you know, on the Clippers, they had two of those guys with Lou Williams, Tobias Harris. You know, he was somewhat of the number one option, but, you know, he's a good sort of um, big, like three, kind of four combo player where he can kind of guard both. Um, he can handle the ball, shoot the ball well. Um, and the fact that they were able to pick him up was was a phenomenal get for them. Um, he is going to be, I think, a free agent after this year. So, you know, the 76ers are going to have to pay him a lot of money if they like what they see. You know, it's going to be basically four or five month rental for him and basically see what happens after this. But, um, you know, it was great for him to get out of L.A. Um, since they're sort of in a rebuild year and puts him in, you know, the Eastern Conference allows him to, you know, um, show his talents and his skills and hopefully, you know, elevates the 76ers to, you know, a Eastern Conference final. Um, you know, a lot of teams, you know, at the top, which we'll get into some a couple other trades, you know, have really cemented, you know, brought the firepower this trade uh, season. And uh, yeah, really interesting. But I thought that was an excellent pickup for them. Um, yeah, so good job, Philly, getting Tobias Harris. Um, They're able to, you know, put the smack down on the Lakers, um, you know, tonight. And uh, yeah, they've been able to really, all the pieces are clicking. So, you know, I think for the rest of the season, it's all going to be about egos. Can you manage the egos? Can, you know, Brett Bound Brett Brown managed the egos uh, of all those guys, making sure they're getting their touches, getting featured in the offense, you know, um, and really getting them to realize that they have something special. And this could be the year that, um, you know, they make it to Eastern Conference Finals and possibly win, go to the NBA Finals, which they won't win. We all know that. But, you know, just getting the fact that they can believe in themselves. And, you know, I think that this kind of shows that the process actually works. You know, if you're able to tank for a couple of years and, you know, just remind your fan base that, you know, Philly was the guinea pig and look what they were able to do, you know, with a very shrewd GM, um, you know, and they were able to build on that and, and getting a good coach in there, someone, you know, who's able to, uh, you know, get guys to, to buy in and, and getting Elton Brand, who's really able to go all in this year um, as their GM and the fact that they have number one draft picks and things like that um, to trade for some of these other guys, you know, to get the Jimmy Butler and um, Tobias Harris. So, you know, I, I think this is a very good haul for them and really excited to see, you know, how their play continues to hopefully elevate um, in the East Conference over the next couple of weeks and months. You know, talking further about the Philadelphia 76ers, they, you know, were able to trade Markel Fultz away to Orlando Magic. And here's the thing. I don't actually believe Markel Fultz is a, is a bust. You have these guys like Stephen A, you know, out there saying he's the worst bust ever. Um, is he worse than Kwame Brown? Like, I don't think so. 
Kwame Brown wasn't injured. He was just a terrible basketball player. And Michael Jordan drafted him number one overall and paid him a bunch of money. And he was legitimately terrible basketball player. You know, Markel Fultz, you know, he was a very great scorer at the college level. You know, even when he came into the NBA, you know, and played a couple games, we've seen flashes of brilliance. We can see that he, you know, has the pieces that are necessary, I think, to succeed at this level. It's just that he's injured, you know, and he has some psychological issues that he needs, you know, help uh, dealing with. And the pressure in Philly was, you know, very, very, very high. So I think getting him out of that situation, you know, gives him this the success that or potential success that he might need, you know, the the support to really overcome, you know, what's going on and be able to piece back together his jump shot, you know, be a part of a franchise that believes in him and lets him know that there's no expectation, you know, that he can just improve um, as he does. And whenever he's ready to play and ready to succeed, they're, they're willing to be there for uh, for him and step it to the plate. You know, he reminds me a lot of D'Angelo Russell. You know, D'Angelo Russell came out of Ohio State, was like number two overall. And I didn't see it at first. And, you know, I saw him play at Ohio State in college, and I didn't think he was really that good. You know, he was sort of this, like, point guard, but really wanted to score a lot, but didn't really score a lot. You know, his jumper was a little funky, and he was really immature. You know, and putting him in a place like L.A. with, you know, not a really good GM and not a good coach, you know, to really kind of solidify him, you know, at the beginning of the season was tough. And look at what, you know, has happened now. He got traded to the Nets, you know, a year and a half ago. So he's been on the Nets for almost a full uh, season and a half. And he's up to about 15.5 points per game. You know, he has the potential, had the potential to be an all-star this year. You know, he's able to go off for 40 points a night when he is the number one option. And so, you know, I don't think Markel is, I don't think he's a bust. I think he, you know, just is going to take a lot of time to mature, make sure he's in a good franchise. Um, And I think he's going to be a good scorer. You know, we know he can score. We know he has that mentality. It's just about unlocking that, giving him, you know, the full confidence with the coaching and support staff around him. And he's going to be a primary option, you know, going forward in Orlando, which he necessarily wasn't, you know, in the 76ers. So, you know, I think he is going to, you know, give him two to three years. And I think he's going to be, you know, a player kind of like Tobias Harris, you know, who's kind of a little bit under the radar, you know, like a D'Angelo Russell, someone who you really have to plan for. And in the right franchise, he can be very, very successful. So the Lakers, as you know, did not, were not able to get Anthony Davis this trade deadline season. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, we all doubted that it was going to happen. I said on this podcast many times that the price for AD was so high. What's the point of getting AD if you have to gut your whole entire roster? And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what the, you know, the Pelicans do with Anthony Davis. But I thought, you know, this sort of in-between season really kind of solidified who the players are that you can rely on going forward because they're not going to, you know, be flustered by trade talks or whatever. And I thought Rondo showed that he is the primary point guard for these Lakers. You know, he had a game-winning shot, you know, at the Celtics the other night. You know, he's able to see the floor. He has a very mature mentality. He's able to partner with LeBron to be a veteran player who you want handling the ball, who doesn't turn the ball over, you know, who's actually turning into a really good shooter, you know, very, very long. You know, he is the player that, you know, Lonzo wants to be or everybody thinks Lonzo is going to turn into. I definitely don't think that's going to be the case. But, you know, if you really like running the offense that Rondo runs, then having Lonzo as a backup coming in to play those, you know, key minutes that you need, you know, actually isn't too bad of an option. But I think we all need to get on the same page. Lonzo Ball is never going to be a starting point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. And he's 
not the player that we that everyone thought he would be when he was drafted. And so let's all just, you know, sign on the dotted line, acknowledge that that is the case. I want to talk about uh, Mirtich to the Bucks. That was a huge win. Now play by the Bucks. You know, they're in the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And this really helped them, I think, uh, look at each other in the locker room and say, hey, this is our season. This is our year. You know, they still have Giannis on a pretty friendly deal. You know, he's not going anywhere. They've surrounded him with some solid quality guys. You know, Miritich is like a stretch four, you know, stretch five, you know, can shoot the three extremely well. Um, He's going to provide them some solid offense because that's one thing that has been a huge knock for me, I think, against the Bucks and against Giannis is that watching them play, they're not exciting to watch. It's very much sort of the James Harden style offense where one person has the ball, everyone's kind of standing around. Like the ball doesn't move around very much there, you know, but I think with having Miritich, it allows them to take a lot of the offensive pressure off Giannis and lets them just create and score within the flow of the game, which is, I think, is his strength. Um, And so I think this was kind of, Uh, a warning shot that like, okay, Philly, you know, you think that you're going to be top of the league, but we're going to acquire another piece that further is going to cement us over the top. And so I think that, um, you know, is is a great pickup for them, allows them to be the top seed in the East. And I think they're going to be very tough to deal with, you know, coming into the playoffs, especially as a number one seed. Um, so really exciting to, to see what's going to happen there. I, I have to give the edge if it goes to, you know, East Conference Finals. I think Boston, you know, has the chance to be representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals simply because they have playoff experience. They have young guys that believe in themselves and they have an excellent, excellent coach. But with the news that Kyrie is probably going to be out for a while, this might be the chance for the Bucks or Toronto to step up to the plate and say, this is my Eastern Conference. I'm taking it over, you know, or the 76ers. So, you know, the Eastern Conference, usually we like to call it the Leastern Conference. But I think, you know, with all the deals going on, you have a lot of teams that are saying, hey, no, we are just as good as the people in the West. This is a tough, tough conference. You're going to have to come to play every single night, especially as the games get further and further to the playoffs. Every game counts. Finally, let's talk about Toronto's deal where they're able to get Marcus all. You know, I... I think this was a, a, a decent play for them. You know, I do think it's sort of an upgrade over Jonas Valanciunas. I'm not a huge fan of the salary, and I think Marcus Saul is the way he plays a little bit past his prime. You know, he can sort of step out and take the three, but I don't know how he's going to be able to play within a system where he's not the primary or secondary option. Um, so going to be really interested to see if he's going to be willing to do the dirty work to bang down low in the post with Joel Embiid, you know, with Al Horford, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, that he's going to need to step up and be okay with maybe getting, you know, five touches a night, you know, the offense is not going to be running through him. He's going to be having to do a lot of the dirty work, the rebounding, you know, he's going to have to run the floor, things like that. Um, so I thought, you know, maybe it was the, it was great that he got out of Memphis. That was basically a sinking ship. I talked about that, you know, uh, a couple episodes ago. So good for him, but I think he's just kind of this this big that's kind of existing. You know, he's kind of like Carmelo, the way that he plays and just doesn't really fit in the new NBA. So going to be really interesting to kind of see what happens to him Um over the next couple of years, you know, I think he might turn into someone like Tyson Chandler, who Tyson Chandler was a premier big in this league. And now he's just kind of like a role player bench, you know, filler guy that just plays for, you know, whatever team signs him. And it's looking like that might be the case for Marcus saw that he's no longer going to get max money. 
he's just going to be one of those guys that you try and pick up on a veteran contract or a minimum deal, you know, and uh, see see what happens. So that's it for me this week on the 10 Minute Basketball Podcast. That's all the updates, my thoughts, analysis on the trades. Thank you very much and have a wonderful week.